Evolutionary Podcast coming your way, episode 528. Steve and the Mobster joining me. So this is a very important podcast. Again, it's another nutrition podcast. So this is going to be a really good one. So Million Mobster are kind of going to give you some different ideas. Uh, nutrition timing, protein, carbs, fat, post-workout, pre-workout. We're going to talk about that. It's very, very important to talk about the stuff because nobody does. So, you know, here's, here's my thing. Um, I can remember doing some workouts before and I've consumed a smoothie beforehand. And during my workout, I got nauseous. I had to dry heave during my workout from having a smoothie. But, you know, we're always told, you know, hey, smoothies are good for you. Smoothies can give you extra protein. Smoothies have a lot of things. But the thing is, with the smoothie, the reason I, I dry heave, my workout was very intense. Let's say a squat day, for example. Your squatting is very, very intense. It's very, very stressful on the body. It's a very, very intense training method. And it's a really good training method to really train your body to take on a lot of a lot of pressure you know it's a very good training tool right so your body if there's anything in your body like a smoothie for example which is very difficult to digest that's why you after you have a smoothie you're talking about so many different things in that are processed into one smoothie you could have 10 12 15 different things processed into one smoothie and that's going into your body that's a lot of work for your body to process something like that, which requires a lot of enzymes to be triggered, you know, in the body. So it's a lot of pressure in the body. So your body's going through that. Then you're going to go and do a squat. And then you're going to stress your body out a lot. Your body's first instinct is evacuate. I need to get rid of whatever I gave it. Same thing going and having a steak dinner. I've done that before. I go to a restaurant, sit down, have a steak dinner. Then went to the gym. During the gym workout, halfway through, I got to take a dump. What the hell is going on here? Well, steaks, protein, right? It's 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 supposed to be good for me, right? Protein's good for weight trainers, right? Protein's good for bodybuilders, right? So in that, if you look at it that way, nutrition timing is very important. What you do before your workout, what you do the night before your workout, did you have a good night's sleep? Did you eat good the night before? Did you eat good that morning? Did you eat good for lunch? And then you have a workout later in the day. It's very important. And it makes a huge difference. When I used to do a lot of endurance running, I could tell because I would run slower. If I did not eat well leading up to it, I would do worse. If I ate spot on, I did, I did better. So it absolutely matters. And with weight training, sometimes it's not so black and white because in weight training, you may not notice your workouts. are. If you don't know your body well enough, if you're like mobster and you do strength training, you know how much you can do. So if you go in there and you're not doing, you're not as strong that day, you know something's wrong. And, you know, you could be your body could be fighting some type of virus, you know, that particular day. You could not feel you could feel a little under the weather and that could affect your strength. So there's a lot of things that go into it. But nutrition is very, very important because what you do leading up to your workout is going to affect your actual workout. Now, Mobster and I on the pre-show, we were talking about if you don't eat for four hours, Mobster was saying he struggles. When it comes to strength, it's it's yes, your strength does get affected by not eating, 
for hours before, I agree. If I was just doing a strength routine, I would want to eat about two hours beforehand a good, easy-to-digest meal. Maybe a couple eggs, a piece of um, non-refined bread, uh, maybe a piece of fruit on top of it. That's a really good little meal to have two hours before if I was doing a strength routine. But if you're not doing a strength routine, you're just bodybuilding, you're doing high reps, you're doing a lot of cardio, you're getting that heart rate up, I would say it would be perfectly fine not to eat hours and hours beforehand. I like the fa my fasted workouts for sure, especially if you're doing um, heavy-duty workouts. So, Mom, sorry I'll bring you in here. Tell us why or why not nutrition time is important. Tell us your story on that. I was thinking when I was talking with Steve in the pre-show that there's a lot of semantic-type arguments going way, way back in the day, Paul Bryce and Kerry Case of CMP and others, where they would talk about, you know, the post-workout anabolic window and all this kind of stuff. And it got oversold, Steve. It really did. However, Steve reminded me, and what he just said a few seconds ago is exactly right. So I've told this story a bunch of times. I was doing a physical, I say semi-physical job, which involved me walking around. And if I did a late shift, I would work till 7 o'clock, 6.30, 7 o'clock, and the gym was right after. And the last break that we got would be around – I would actually opt for the last break between 4, 4.30, and I would ask for that. And I, one of the things I did there, Steve, was thinking it's going to be about three hours, a little bit more, depending on the train, journey times, whatever, getting up, getting away on time. Between that, and I'm still walking around for another hour or so, two hours or so afterwards, burning more calories. Not a lot, but enough that you want it to be okay to hit it in the gym. So here's what I was doing, and I think if I hadn't done it, Steve, it would have made a difference. I would make sure that I didn't have any crazy food at that tea break. And I would, I think I was having a hot chocolate and a hundred gram oatmeal type flapjack uh, bar at that tea break. And then I would buy two bars. So one went in my pocket. And then within about half an hour of walking back to book off, I'd start nibbling on that second flapjack. Now that's about six o'clock. 6.30, if we're lucky, we get away. I rush to catch the train. If I had time, I'd grab a coffee in the station, black coffee, nothing more than that to it. Normally, nowadays, I wouldn't have it that late in the day, but I was okay because we're on a late shift. I don't have to get up too early in the morning, blah, blah, blah. blah. And that coffee would be in my system shortly after the, the train had left the station. to get. And my gym was right next to the railway station at the other end. Um so I'd be half dozing on that train, Steve. You're kind of resting at the end of the day's work. You're you're tuning stuff out. I'm, I'm I'm on that kind of place where you're almost asleep, but not quite. But the caffeine were kicking within two stops of my stop that I was getting off at. I'd wake up. I'd start to get ready to rock and roll. And by the time I got off the train, I think there was also that element of being ready to train. It's the right time of day. Get in the gym. I'd have great workouts. But I made sure that I had great workouts. I hadn't got home. I hadn't had a meal. The last big meal I'd had would be lunchtime that day, so 12, 1 o'clock. It's now 7 o'clock at night. If I hadn't had that little snack, the argument then becomes, do I have any energy when I get to the gym? I've still got three hours between that tea break and me hitting the gym. And I'm thinking of a typical listener again, Steve. I don't want to talk about professional bodybuilding, the 1% of the 1% stuff in the anabolic window. Because I'm thinking, what about the, the listeners who are at college? What about the listeners who have a, 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 a an office job? But especially what about listeners that do construction? And we talked about the way that some of them eat before. And I'm thinking of worse, some of the teenage listeners. 
and terrible, terrible dietary habits. So, for example, training in the afternoon, training in the evening, the gym's busiest time is actually between 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock. To my mind, I think Steve's right. I'm, I'm going to say you want to have some small meal with calories, carbohydrates, uh, complex carbohydrates preferably, about two hours beforehand. If you're working on a construction site, I know, guys, big breakfast, work through lunch, and then you're lucky if you're eating a snack in the car. And I actually had people doing construction work in my home when I lived in Gloucester, and I, uh, the, 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 the supervisor, and I said to him, you need to start having protein bars and flapjacks and, and, and energy-type food in your car because you're sitting down with your crew in the morning and then you're going to think all day. And he was coaching rugby, Steve. So I said, look, you're not eating as you're supposed to eat. I understand the nature of the job makes it real difficult. Same with the guys at college, same with the guys at construction themselves. You need to have something in your system. Typical, normal weightlifting workouts, about 400 calories, maybe a little bit more if you do a bit more cardio. So that's what you're looking at. My 100-gram flapjack was almost, I think, 380 calories, something like that, Steve, with a bit of funny phone in the end. So something like that. Again, one of the things I will talk about is don't overly focus too much on a single meal, the whole nutrition. The food, I, I train in the morning now, Steve, so I'm probably still digesting part of my breakfast when I hit the gym. But I ate well last night, and I'm thinking of all the meals I had. So I would like you guys to be aware of two things. You, if you're doing any of these kind of jobs or situations where you're several hours between the last big meal and the workout, you're kind of taking something away from it. And a snack thing, like we're talking about, healthy snack, a small meal would be incredibly useful. Not too close. I've seen people bring that food right back up in the gym at events on the floor. It's not nice. It's completely wasted. But equally, don't overly focus on your post-workout or pre-workout meal. All of your nutrition should be on point. I think that's a, a thing that's worth focusing on because I know guys get – we, we, we've done this stuff for the last 30, 40 years, Steve, where we're talking about specific pre and post worker. All of your nutrition is important. There's a very small argument to be made for the 1% and the 1% when it comes to the pre and post workout specifically. I mean, here we are. What, what would be your pre workout meal of choice if we're talking about two hours before? What would you go for? Yeah, like I said, um, a couple eggs, you know, make sure you cook them properly. Don't cook them in the wrong oils. And we're going to get into into that in a second about good fats. You want to make sure um, and, and a piece of fruit would be good. Some non-refined bread. You don't want to eat crappy bread like the white breads, you know, you get in the stores and stuff or or wheat bread or anything like that. You don't want it. You want an unrefined bread if necessary. But, you know, that's it really like for me. It's always been like a couple eggs and a piece of fruit, and um, and that that works perfectly fine for me, um, if I'm doing a strength routine. But what Mobster was saying though, the thing is, you know, in bodybuilding, that most of you listening, you've been bodybuilding or weight training for a long time. Some of you might be new, but a lot of you have been doing it for a while. You build up a lot of muscle, you build up a lot of size, you become more insulin resistant. So as Mobster said, you need quote unquote some carbs to get in a decent workout. But when you train your body to, you know, to train fasted, it, it's going to be an adjustment. Uh, two, three weeks. It'll take two, three weeks for your body to switch in a lot of cases. I know because I used to be one of those people who I needed a protein bar just to get in a workout. If I didn't eat anything all day, I needed a protein bar. I needed some sugars in my system. But once you train your body, you don't need shit. Think about it. 
our ancestors, you think they they needed anything? If they saw a, a, a deer running by and they wanted to go chase down that deer for food, do you think that they were like, well, I can't go chase that deer. I got to have a protein bar before I go chase that deer. No, they fucking got up their ass, got out of their fucking, you know, primitive shelter and ran after that food because that might be the last time they see meat for months. That might be the one piece of meat they actually get to eat, you know, or if they go and they find a tree with fruit, you think they're not going to climb that tree to get that fruit because that I didn't eat anything today. I can't go do it. So really, it's about training your body. So if you get to that point where, yeah, you can't train without having a protein bar, you can't train without having any carbs, then you know you, you're you very insulin resistant. And, um, you know, it's not good. It's not good for your long-term health. So think about that. So, um, you know, but like I said, it's a lot of you are going to struggle. Like if I told mobster tomorrow, mobster, don't eat anything from now to your workout. He's going to have a tough workout when he works out because he's so used to using carbs for energy instead of tapping into his own body's body stores for energy. That's why in survival shows, guys who are big like mobster and mobster is a lot of muscle. He's got low body fat for his size, but he's still a big guy. So you see these big bodybuilders go on these survival shows. They don't make it past a couple days because they're not just get, they're not getting enough carbs and calories and they, they can't make it. They get lightheaded, they get dizzy and they can't function because they're so used to consuming carbs all the time that they cannot function. But the skinny vegans who eat 1200 calories a day, they're the ones on these survival shows who survive 21 days, no problem. Food's literally the, they don't even need to eat for the whole 21 days. So they can survive because they've trained their body to be like that. So mobs are chiming on that. And where we'll get into differentiating macros, we'll talk about macros a little bit. I was going to say, can it, what, what can the vegan squat? But I, I, that would be me being ironic. One of the things I said before, funny enough, in, in the pre-show is I, 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 as much as I enjoyed uh, the idea of optimal pre- and post-workout nutrition conversations in the magazines and these discussions that were taking place, the older I get, uh, and, and again, it's part of my lifestyle as well, the less I think it is a big of a deal as, as, as is occasionally made out. Because again, ironically, guys will overly focus on the pre and post workout nutrition and not have the rest in place. An example, Steve, I get asked what I have for breakfast. This morning, dressed as I am, and Steve's seen what I've dressed in, uh, I've 320 pounds. 320 pounds today, guys. If you listen to this podcast, my weight varies, in this, but it's 320 pounds today. And what have I had? I had uh, a bowl of muesli and, and and two cups of coffee, and then I hit the gym. Uh, so one of the things that Steve said about the fasting and, you know, the importance or not of a pre- and post-workout nutrition is incredibly true. And this is the thing I remind guys of again, because I, as an example, I seem to recall Jay Cutler back in the day, and he was varying the time that he would hit the gym, part of him very late in the day, but he said he would need at least two, and sometimes he didn't feel comfortable unless he had four meals before the gym. And here I am doing one meal and weighing 320 pounds and doing the stuff that I do. So here's the truth, guys. Your body adapts. If you've never fasted, the first few workouts are going to be horrendous. You're going to feel like shit. You're going to feel faint. You're going to feel, oh, well, this is a real bad idea. But once you get past that and your body starts getting, you know, and I need to release, release some of this body fat into the system. I need to give this fellow energy. Boom. Like Steve said, if we 
could only function the way that we're talking about with, you know, 400 grams of this or two mils or that, then we would have died out as a species. It's, we would have literally, any time something crazy happened, oh, my God, there's a saber-toothed tiger coming towards me. I need to run the fuck away. But hang on, I haven't eaten for two hours. I'm screwed. No, get the fuck up and run, motherfucker. We'll see what happens with adrenaline and, and some release of some glycogen into your system like your body does when you need it to. So here's the thing. Your body will adapt. However, what we're talking about here is the difference between changing your nutritional uh, way of eating and, and putting food in or whatever else and what's more optimal. So in a normal situation, guys, you won't die and you won't collapse and you'll still do something. But is it the best it could have been? Is it optimal? And that's what we're kind of talking about, I think, is Steve, whether it comes to these things. It's about train. Again, if you're on a cycle or if you're training, we want you to have the best possible results. You'll get some results, but they could have been better had you done things better, had you made optimised your eating, had you timed the way you're doing it. As a good example, Steve, like I said, if you're teenagers are terrible with their nutrition. And again, if I was working construction and I'd done 10, 11, 12 hours carpentry, on some construction site, I'm going to have burnt my way through whatever the hell it was I ate that morning, which could be some great big greasy burger, breakfast in a roll, or whatever the hell that these guys are having, what we call a full English over here. I'd have burnt all that off, especially on a hot day, cold day, whatever. I'd have burnt all that off. So would I have had the best workout I possibly could have done? Has I not had anything to eat from after that one meal in the morning or a small snack at lunchtime? No, I'm going to do better if... But again, like Steve says, we will adapt. If fasting is your thing, you will adapt. So keep that in mind. Let's talk about macros. Like yeah. and, and when I used to compete in weight training, guess what we would do, mobster? Before our weightlifting meet, most of us, we would fast all day. You know why? Because we had to drop two or three pounds to make weight. So we did it. And what we would do is we'd weigh in. As soon as we weighed in, we'd go have like a candy bar. So just to get some quick carbs in our system and then go weight train. But you were so depleted, especially if you had to put on a big sweater and go run in the heat to sweat out that extra half a pound so you could stand on the scale nude in front of everybody just to make weight because your underwear put you an ounce over your, your weight. So there's ways to do it, but do I recommend that? No, I don't recommend doing that because we were doing things to be extreme to have to make weight. I recommend a nice light meal. If you're doing strength, two meals, two, two hours beforehand, I would not be eating within 30 minutes. You want to give your body a chance to process some of that food before you you go to war in um in, in the gym. Master, you want to touch on that really quick and we'll get into that. Very, very quickly then, Steve. So back in the day, competing on a regular basis, I actually agree with Steve 100%. We'd have strongman conversations about the food and the snacks that you would have. A couple of times I went to events which were catered, which was lovely, but there's no damn way that I could sit down and eat that catered meal home. I think it was like a hunter's pie, four different kinds of meat and, and vegetables. No, 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 forget that. I, I did exactly what Steve said. I never had to make weight. Buddies of mine did, and they'd end up with like fluid sloshing around in their belly because they've carved up with God knows what straight afterwards, and that actually put them off training. So here's what I would do. I would get up real early, have a power breakfast, maybe chill for another hour or two, have a much smaller meal, and then I would snack. And I mean tiny, like those little tiny boxes of raisins, Steve, or half a banana or quarter of a sandwich. 
in between events. You're not using a lot of calories in between events. It's low nervous energy. It's ATP in your muscles. I would make sure I was hydrated, but I'd be sipping, not gulping. I would have energy drinks. I would have caffeine pills, this kind of stuff. But it was all very, very 100, 150 calories tops. Because like Steve said, there's I'm not going to use that much energy, and I don't want this great wad of food in my stomach when I'm lifted, trying to lift crazy, crazy weights. Afterwards, let's have a steak dinner, Steve, and some chips and a couple of pints of beer, 100%. But during the actually very Absolutely not. Strong men, for example, gummy bears, Steve. Those literally Haribo-type stuff. And that's all they're having in between, uh, If it, especially if it's all a competition all in one day. Afterwards, again, huge amount of food, calories, steak, pizza, ice cream, cheesecake, you name it. But during the event, no, 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 no. And this is, again, optimal nutrition versus you know uh, what's available and what's there on the table and all that kind of stuff. So, again, even if it's catered, I would have those snacks with me, Steve, 100%. So let's talk about macros. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. We'll get in a little more about uh, post-workout nutrition because that's something that we have to separate the bro science from the science as well. So macros, look, I'm going to make this simple for everybody. Okay, we all know we got fats, carbs, protein, right? Now the standard is 40-40-20. Carbs, protein, and then 20% fats, right? That's a standard bodybuilding cliche to do. Now, a lot of people nowadays, they're going more keto. So they're upping their fat macros to a higher. Look, the bottom line is, depends on your goals, depends what you're after, depends if you feel good. But there's no reason for anybody to fear carbs. And there's no reason for anybody to fear fats. The bro science in bodybuilding is we got to eat protein, 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 protein. Stay away from fat. Stay away from carbs. Carbs are bad. In the Blue Zones, we did an episode on the Blue Zones. You guys can go listen to it. Shockingly, in the Blue Zones, a big part of their diet are carbs in every Blue Zones. But they're different carbs. In Okinawa, for example, tons of sweet potatoes. Tons of sweet potatoes. In Costa Rica, the Costa Rica uh, Blue Zone, which is on the west coast of Costa Rica, um, it's uh, Nicoya, Costa Rica is the town. Tropical fruits, fresh off the tree, lots of carbs, all right? And in these blue zones, protein is low. They don't consume as much protein. The protein consumption comes from peas and beans and, and plant-based foods. So they're not getting tons of meat. Now, again, we're talking about bodybuilding here, and bodybuilding is not a long-lasting healthy sport. So as Mobster mentioned, he mentioned Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler is a bodybuilder. Do you want to eat and like train like Jay Cutler? You're probably going to die of a heart attack at a really young age if you eat Jay Cutler's diet. You've got to do it what works for you. But even if you're whether you're Jay Cutler or you're a skinny vegan, it doesn't matter. Vegans, you can eat healthy as a vegan or you can eat unhealthy as a vegan what i mean by that is are you a vegan who eats pizza and uh, you know like a uh, you know ch cheeseless pizza are you a vegan that eats pasta are you a vegan who eats uh dairy free donuts and 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 breads and all this other junky carbs or are you a vegan who eats fresh fruits and organ fresh organic fruits and vegetables there's a difference are you a bodybuilder who eats a lot of protein? Are you eating the cheap gra uh, grain finished 
uh, meat from Walmart or are you going and getting grass-fed beef uh, that's grass-finished, that's full of vitamins and minerals? Are you eat consuming bone broth, bone marrow? Are you consuming the organs of the animals? Those are the nutritious parts of the animals, okay? Or are you just going and, and, and going to fast food joints to get your protein? So the your, your, your macros are dependent on specifically what you're getting in your body. And a good rule of thumb is, is it come from a factory? Is the, is it, was it prepped with poor ingredients? You go to a fast food joint and we talked about this how many times on podcast, Mobster, refined oils are a killer. These are waste products that restaurants and fast food joints use to cook the food because number one, they're cheap. Number two, they're satiating. And number three, people are used to the taste and they their brain tells them it tastes good. Even though someone like me who was eating it, I find it disgusting myself because I don't eat that shit. But if you eat that shit on a regular basis, you're going to find it satiating and taste good and stuff. So you're going to think that's normal. But this is why it's important to cook your own food and know what's going into your food. So there's a difference between good fats, which are refined, bad fats, refined oils, and good fats, which are natural fats that come from nature example unrefined cold pressed coconut oil i talk about that a lot that's what you should be cooking your food with you know or if you can find real olive oil which is not easy to find you can cook your food with that too or macadamia nut oil unrefined macadamia nut oil stuff like that don't cook your food in canola oil hydrogenated oils any type of refined oils most olive oils on the shelf are refined all right. So you want to make sure you're cooking your foods properly. You want it good, good quality meats, hormone free poultry, grass finished red meat, organs, bone marrow. Those are the proteins you want in terms of carbs, fruits. What's wrong with fruits as carbs, fruits versus eating pizza and ice cream and, and cake? There's a difference. So when you come looking at your macros, it's more about which types of foods you're eating in your macros, not how many macros you get. Okay. So fats can be good for you and fats can be bad for you. Protein could be good for you. Protein can be bad for you. It depends on the specific foods you're eating. So that's, that's pretty much as simple as uh, I can approach it. So I'm sure chime in on that a little bit and we'll, and we'll finish out talking about some post-workout ideas. Let me give you a quick example of what Steve's just talking about. And I'll use carbs this time again, Steve. So it's a good example here, guys. Uh, if we we have applied and we've done a podcast on that as well about if it fish or macros, if we were using very simple carbohydrate sources, uh, and again using my example from back in the day with my my meal at four or four thirty, and uh, finishing work at half six and hoping to be in the gym seven seven thirty, if I'd use a real simple carb and a good example of that would be one of those really cheap energy drinks that's a combination of glucose and if you're very lucky. Some maltodextrin. Maltodextrin is actually not too bad, uh, but the glucose is kind of shitty because it's it's gonna it's gonna give you like a sugar rush, Steve. Whereas what I really wanted, what I was actually doing, as I told you guys, was something which was a complex carbohydrate in vis-a-vis the oatmeal, and hopefully in as close to a homemade oatmeal flapjack bar as I possibly could. When Steve talks about fruit, that was my choice for when I was lifting, but I was using slightly faster carbohydrates there. Whereas if I had, had, for example, just pure sugar, I'm going to get a sugar rush, I'm going to get a burst of energy, and then I'm going to crash. So it's, again, the difference between quality food and nutrition. 
uh, with the energy being, for example, for a worker, you want a kind of slow release of energy. And I want that digested. So if I'm having a simple carbohydrate, I digest it very quickly and it's released very quickly. Well, I've still got two hours to go. I've still got another hour to go before I hit the gym. So I don't want that at all. What I want is something I can take two hours ahead of time, digest without it bloating me, and then have that energy available to me consistently through the workout. So simple, crappy, complex carbs, sorry, simple carbs, crappy carbs, really poor choice of carbohydrates, will have a sugar rush, an insulin high, all those kind of bad things that we don't want, and then a crash. And so cut perversely, if I'd had a simple carb two hours before the workout, I'd, I'd feel great about half hour after having a simple carb, Steve, but I'd have nothing effectively to use from that nutrition that I'd taken at that time when the workout arrived. And the same thing applies for me when I was in competition. It's the same reason why some of the strength athletes were using gummy bears because they needed a, a run. If they were the next athlete up, if they sometimes in strongman, you finish the last event, you're the first into the next event. So you need a sort of simple carb. But again, it's choices. And what we're talking about here for most of you guys is lifting weights in the gym to improve your musculature, to be leaner, to look more muscular, to, to reduce your waist and so on and so forth. So what we're looking at here is optimal nutrition in those circumstances. And the choice is going to come down to quality, Steve. Steve mentioned um, one of the blue zones, sweet potatoes. That's a fantastic choice. We've done on, on, on a future macros. I talked about the baked potato with a simple homemade dressing on. All of these kind of things, you are trickling a consistent supply of energy into your system. And that's kind of how you want it for a solid one hour, 45 minutes to an hour and a quarter workout in the gym. You don't want a sugar rush. You don't want to be absolutely ready to rock and roll like a crazy mad person at the beginning and then have no steam, no energy at the end. You want energy through the workout. And that will only come from good, high-quality, complex carbohydrates timed in the right way. Like you said, Steve, let's get the post-workout nutrition. I'll let you go first. Yeah, so with post-workout, I want people to understand that post-workout, your body – just went through a lot of trauma. So your body wants to rest and repair itself. So the so listen, the worst thing you can do after a workout is throw junky food at your body. Okay? I've tried to explain this to people over the years. They give me a really weird look. But listen, listen, trust me on this. Throwing a protein shake at your body five minutes after a workout is actually hurting your repair and recovery. It's not helping. Because your body doesn't need protein after a workout. That's what the science says. The science says your body after a workout needs sleep. If you can get in an hour nap after a workout, you will grow like a weed. You will grow like a weed. But if you eat the wrong things, a protein powder with the dairy and the preservatives and all the crap that's in it, is, is one of the worst things you can just throw at your body. Just like going and eating fast food after a workout, it's the worst thing you can do for your body because now you're giving your body even more work to do. doesn't make any sense. And so, I mean, I try to explain this to people that don't get it because it's been the, the, the supplement companies have been hammering since the 80s. In every bodybuilding magazine from the 80s, they tell you, you got to have a protein shake after a workout. You got to have it. Because they're trying to sell protein shakes. That's what that's what it was. 
in the 70s, guys, they didn't even know what a fucking protein shake was in the 70s, okay? I mean, Arnold, look at Arnold's diet. After a workout, he'd, he'd rest, he'd relax, then he'd have a good balanced meal. A good balanced meal. A piece of meat, some broccoli, okay, and some, some brown rice. Something like that. Or a sweet potato, as Mopsha was saying. Something like that. That's what he would eat. Or a piece of chicken. Or a small piece of steak. That's all he would eat. He wouldn't throw protein shakes at his body after a workout. That's not what your body wants. But if you just want to get big and you want to get, you know, you want to get massive, then yeah, hell yeah. Throw throw everything at your body. Pre-workout, post-workout, just throw, keep throwing shit at your body if you want to get big like that. But I'm just saying if you want to be optimal and you want to grow muscle, good, clean, clean muscle after a workout, sleep. My best cycles have always been when I woke up early in the morning. I went to the workout, came home, and went back to sleep before work. And I got an hour, hour and a half post-workout. I grew like a weed, and I got strong as fuck doing that. So that's what your body wants. Your body wants to repair. doesn't matter if you're doing endurance sports, bodybuilding, powerlifting. I don't care what it is. That's what your body wants. So make sure. The biggest mistake people are making right now is not just post-workout mistakes, but pre-workout mistakes. They're consuming stimulants before a workout. And then after the workout, you can't take a nap because your, your brain is wired from all that caffeine. So now you're fucking yourself again. So these pre-workouts are counterproductive. These post-workout supplements and post-workout junk foods that people are throwing at the body are counterproductive. So try what I'm telling you guys. Just try what I'm telling you. It sounds weird because for the past 50 years, all these guys on social media and all these magazines are pushing this narrative that, oh, my God, you got to have protein after a workout. You got to have protein after a workout or you're going to lose all your muscles. It's just not true. And the science says it's not true. The science says you need protein within 24 to 36 hours after a workout. So literally after work, you come home, go to sleep eight hours later, wake up and then eat a meal. And that's all that, and, and, and that's perfectly fine. You don't need it right away. You don't need it five minutes after your workout. So, Mobster, final thoughts yourself. Hit it, hit us with it, and take us in the disclaimer. It was a great show. I've got to say, I think agree with Steve in principle with regards to resting, if not sleeping, because that's just not practical for some of you guys. And that's the reason why so many of us don't do it. I have done it myself in the past, Steve. 100% agree with you. I also know what Arnold Schwarzenegger was eating after his workouts, guys, because they all used to go to the fire station, but they were having very simple meals, light meals, and then they was, as Steve said, resting. The problem is it's not practical for most of our listeners, whether, again, at college or working, they've got to go home, they've got to do other stuff and whatever else. Uh, that said, again, if you guys train later in the day, you can put some of these things into practice. So, uh, again, what Steve says as a science as regards whether it's students being tested in uh, what the, the the argument, for example, I agree 100% again with Steve is there's, you know, the idea that you need, and I emphasize that word, protein after a workout versus the requirement, as Steve says, that the science does back up that pro, pro, protein at some point within the next 12 to 24 hours is just as useful as opposed to having a protein shake right afterwards. I'll agree with that. But uh, again, I would also mention, Steve, that there was some protein powders, et cetera, way back because Rio Blair had the guys trying. But again, this is optimal level stuff. You're talking about Mr. Olympia level stuff. And 
like I said earlier on, which also agrees with what Steve said, the principle that's sometimes ignored is your complete nutrition, not just what you took beforehand. And I 100% agree with Steve on the stimulus. They're way overdone. But not, and not just what you did right after, but all of the other meals. If, if, if the, again, practical nature works thus, that the food I had yesterday is fueling me today. The food I had last night is fueling me today. The food I had this morning is fueling me today. If it only worked like that, we would wake up absolutely starving and barely capable of functioning. But that's not the case. But again, it's a question of arguing. And it's always been a fun argument, Steve, the difference between optimal and the 1% of the 1% and then what everybody else is actually living by, access to food, driving home, stuck in traffic, the time you got indoors, the time you hit the gym, whether you're hydrated or not. And as Steve says, and I'll touch on that, we need to probably do a podcast on that, Steve, the crazy amount of stimulants that are in pre-workout products and people are having that late in the day. And now that's messing you up, guys. It really is. So keep that in mind. All of your nutrition counts. Please note, we are not doctors and the opinions are ours. It's our view and it's based on our experience and views on the topic. A podcast of for informational purposes and entertainment only. The freedom of speech and the First Amendment apply. 